sharing is caring, pass on the word to a friend. This and other exceptional podcasts can be found at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler. I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Uh, Good morning, it's Megan Chapa. It is about 7 a.m. and I've been up recording for some time now and doing things for the network. And, you know, when you start a network, which is the Travel Market Media Podcast Network, travmarketmedia.com, there's a lot that goes into it and a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And um, if you don't know, I've also been completing a transatlantic move. We've received our belongings, and a lot of them are smashed. So it's been just a big process, and I apologize for not putting out podcasts more consistently. However, I do have like 10 on the books to record over the next couple weeks, so I will surely be having many, many episodes with great content and great guests coming out. But um, yeah, I've just been really thinking about when to travel, when it's appropriate to travel, and thinking over some of my past hesitations and what might be motivating me to get out there again. And I don't have a co-host, so I texted Richard Earls, who is the publisher of Travel Research Online, and said, hey, get on the phone, I'm going to record. And he agreed to the phone call, and this is what we got. Yeah. So... Um, what I don't have, what you have, is the benefit of a co-host. And so sometimes I just want to think things out, and I can't get it done. So sure. thanks for agreeing to this experimental phone call. And what I wanted to talk about is just in our clients and also in our own lives, and I knew that you're hesitant to really travel far just like I am, is that there's hesitation to travel, but we need motivation to travel and that I think we can help our clients do that and even ourselves um, by telling our own stories and looking back on times where we are thankful that we traveled. And if we had hesitated, like there's a lot of things that can't be done today that I hesitated to take that trip and then we did it. And now I'm so thankful that we did it. So is that anything that resonates with you at all? Well, you know, I've largely gotten over any hesitation I have to travel. I will, I'll, I'll travel now. Mm. So, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm ready to travel. Uh, I've done a couple of road trips here in the last little bit that have pretty much convinced me that it's okay and okay. you can travel safely. Okay, great. So, yeah, I, I feel very good about it. We, we went to Apalachicola, which is um, a couple hours away. We went to Savannah which is five hours away, stayed in hotels, ate in restaurants, uh, mostly outdoors, but uh, a couple of indoor restaurants where they did a good job of of um, social distancing within the restaurant. The wait staff all wore masks. Oh, that's good. Um, the, the people in general were really well behaved. 
uh, didn't see anything untoward, didn't see only one time was there any issues with masks and other people, and I, I very politely asked a fellow to don a mask because he he got between uh, Judy, my wife, and, and um, another table and was talking without a mask on. And so I asked him to put his mask on, and he did. Oh wow! Um, You're brave. Other than, yeah, other than that, um, it was a good experience. So I would do it again. I'm, I honestly, I can't wait to get back to England. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, want, I want to go to Scotland. Uh, you and me both. Trip. That's my next. That's my next trip. Okay, great. Well, you know that I have. Well, I know that you have fantastic connections there. But my castle guy, David, he's wonderful. Got to take a tour with David. But. um I guess what I've been thinking about on and reflecting is like trips that I've hesitated to take with my children and largely because of my children, like will the experience be worth it because sometimes traveling with children is a hassle. And so I've been thinking back to things like the first time we went to Paris with our daughter, she was about 14 months and, you know, we're standing in front of Notre Dame looking at the carvings and just being amazed by it and seeing the, the stories of our faith up there carved and and just some really interesting and sometimes bizarre ways and then we have pictures of her just smiling with all these tourists just laughing at this little girl in front of you know the Notre Dame and then same thing with the Eiffel Tower she's we're amazed by the Eiffel Tower and there's a puddle and that's the thing that she's focused on but I don't <laughs> you know like that's that's just kids and then yeah the second time we went back was after it had burned and um, we did other things in the city, and we experienced it in different ways. But now, I mean, who can do those things? And so, and I think that, you know, as travel professionals, we can help our clients envision the future by telling our own story and that we're so thankful for these things because you don't know how the world's going to change. And so I'm looking forward to the recovery, but I think that we can, you know, somewhat accelerate that process by sharing our own stories do you have anything like that? My favorite travel stories are all about amazing synchronicities that happen. I'm, I'm a big believer, um, almost to the point of religion, mm. in synchronicity. And, uh, you know, there have been two to three instances where the coincidence has just piled on a trip mm. that everything worked out that turning left instead of right paid off in big big ways and so you know I seldom have I ever thought I shouldn't travel or that it would do it's going to be too much hassle but those times that I have let synchronicity sort of in, in the driver's seat mm-hmm I've been I've been really pleasantly surprised. This is one of my this is one of my real treasure stories. I'm gonna get something on my desk drawer here that I keep in there to sort of remind me of it. Um, which is my wedding ring. I, I usually don't wear that around uh, unless I'm going out. But um, it's an interesting story surrounding that ring. So um, one of my favorite things to do when I travel is just walk, just to walk without knowing where I'm going. Uh, occasionally, it'll, it'll wind you up in the wrong part of town, but mm-hmm. typically, <laughs> it, it turns out all right for me. So, 
I was doing that early one morning uh, in Reykjavik, and I walked by a um, a store that had a painted uh, a, a painted mural on the outside that was sort of a runic mm-hmm. uh, impression. And I just thought, well, that's an interesting-looking place, and I walked in. And there's no one in there, but there's all this amazing artwork on the walls, on tables, and um, all of a sudden this fellow comes out of the back of the shop with a welding mask on. Oh, <laughs> that's and, cool. And, he, he's got a, and he's got a welding gun in his hand. And uh, he's very pleasant, about my size, and, you know, how are you doing? Perfect English, Icelandic inflection. And uh, I just said, well, I just noticed her shop and wanted to um, to step in. He said, well, feel free to look around. You want to see what I'm doing back here? And so I walked back, and he's welding a um, a couple pieces of our artwork together. Hmm. And... um, we talked briefly, and I picked on up real quick that we had a lot in common. And I broached uh, that topic, and he laid down the welding gun, took off the mask, and said something to the effect of, I've been expecting you. <laughs> and he called his wife out. And he and his wife and I sat down and talked for a good two to three hours about a variety of things um, that we all had in common and were thinking about. And during that time period, a woman walked in, and she introduced herself and began talking about what we've been talking about. And she, I'll just tell you exactly what happened. Uh I won't go into every aspect of this, but she said, um, would you like me to do a reading for you? And um, as you know from my tarot card story, I'll never turn something like that down. <laughs> and I said, I said, sure. And so she studied me for a little bit, and she goes, your grandfather, what happened to his lungs? Um, my grandfather died of black lung. Mm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, now, there was no way this woman could have known anything about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I frankly had forgotten it. Mm. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that, and she told me that um, he still took an interest in me. Mm. And um, she now has become a friend, and, and I have visited with her on a couple of days. Oh. And, my, and by the way, she was from Bath. Oh. She, she was not Icelandic. She was, she walked over from Bath, or walked over. She was visiting <laughs> from Bath and had walked from her hotel over. Mm. So Aria and, um, and Augusta and I sat there and talked for a while longer. And um, I invited them to dinner and had dinner with them and came back home and they became good friends. And when I got married, I wrote, Ari, and I said, and actually visited with them. Judy and I went up and visited with them. Mm-hmm. Well, when Judy and I were uh, planning on getting married, 
I wrote Ari and I asked him to create, I sent him a small quantity of gold mm-hmm. and I asked him to create a wedding band for me. Mm. Uh, and he did. And it's, it's remarkable. It's a, it's a remarkable ring. Uh, you've probably never seen a wedding band like it. Mm. Uh, and I'll, I'll shoot you over a picture of it. Cool. But, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, and Ari and I stay in touch now all the time. He has become a very, very close friend of mine. And in fact, one of the podcasts I want to do sometime is about the friends that we meet who be, uh, on our travels who become lifelong friends. And he's, he is certainly one of those examples. Uh, the, the tarot card reader in, um, in um, Glastonbury and I are good friends now, and we write each other and you know, I'm reviewing a book of hers that she wrote, and uh, um, you know, you just uh, on on occasions you you meet that kind of character in your travels, and you know, I'm I can't honestly say that that things like that have happened outside of of um, travel. It, mm. it, it, they they've happened a few times. Uh, Staying home, staying in place, but more often with um, more often with travel than not. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you I mean, you are definitely a person who looks for meaning in things, and and you certainly find it. And yeah, I just I don't know. I feel you know, for me, it's it's God, and I believe He puts us into places to meet the people we're supposed to meet. And um, it's interesting and. You know, I wanted to get into topics of like motivations to travel. And I think, you know, it, it has to be about the people, right? Like that's, it's always about the people in some regard, whether it's to meet new people or to, you know, the people that have lived in the place and make the place, you know, have cultural meaning or give it its cultural meaning. I'm, I'm saying this poorly, but I think you get what I'm saying. Um, and I was thinking about ways to support people in, you know, in the tourism community and, and to have a motivation, you've got your ring hanging out there in your desk drawer, which I think is an excellent way to do that. And it's came about in a different way that I've been thinking, but I was thinking, what about, you know, either as motivations for ourselves or as as travelers or for maybe gifts for clients, like, would you ever consider pre-purchasing souvenirs or investing in a location that you want to visit, but you're not you can't get to right now. Have you ever thought about that? Describe that to me again. Like, um, like pre-purchasing your souvenirs. Like, you know how, like women might buy a bathing suit or a dress and like, that's their motivation. They're going to work towards that goal. Like, would you ever consider, or do you think it would be, I don't even want to say advisable, but something to like get you to your goal. Like, like for my son really wants to visit the Everglades. So today we're going to go hunt out, you know, someplace that does like work with reptiles so that we can support the Everglades in some way. So that when we finally get there, you know, we've, we've done some investing so that tourism still exists there. Would you ever consider something like that? Like, do you think that's a way to support well, the tourism yes, community? I, I think that's important. I, I definitely think supporting the destinations are important because Travel has a you know an underside to it, right? Travel travel has a environmentally harmful effect, um, both in the actual travel and sometimes in the 
concept of, of over-tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times the population who lives there are not the ones who really benefit. I mean, it gives them a job perhaps, but most of the money is siphoned out of the area to large corporations elsewhere. Mm. That's, a real, that's a real problem, for example, in Tanzania, mm-hmm. uh, where South African interests own most of the, the lodges. Well, that's interesting. And so the money, people get jobs, yes. But most of the money isn't locally invested or locally spent. It's 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 siphoned off to South Africa. Um, you know, less so in a place like Iceland, but in, in especially in third world countries, that that happens a lot. Mm. Yeah, so, I was... yeah. I think support, in some way or another, supporting the population is is important. Um, I've I've got a project, an incomplete project that. Someday I'll get back to, which was the form of 501c3 uh, called um, For the Kids. Mm. And it, uh, its purpose is to support um, children in destination regions of the world um, and to train them in some aspect of hospitality mm. so that they can start their own companies, their own businesses. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there'd be a lot of support from suppliers oh, to yeah. do that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Do you know, so um, no, I, I, idea, but I, in I England. think that's certainly important. Um, again, in terms of doing something like pre-purchasing souvenirs, I probably wouldn't do that, mm-hmm. only because it's those, again, sort of synchronicities, happy chances that you luck on something that you become attached to and want to want to take back home with you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and sometimes it's as simple as a, a rock, you know, but uh, other times it's something a little more significant. I get the rocks. I've got fossils falling out of my kids' pockets every day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think the trouble with souvenirs also is that a lot of the stuff is made in China, and you're not actually supporting the local business owner. You're supporting, you know, industry outside of a manufacturing industry well, in a different part of the world. Chances Chances are, if you're anywhere in Iceland and you pick up something that looks cool and handmade in a, in a shop there, my friend already made it. Oh, uh, he yeah, he makes tons of of carvings out of wood, silver, uh, stone, metal, um, and and sells them all over Iceland. It's, he's in just about every shop you can think of. Mm. Yeah, it's a neat and and insular country like that. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, let's send me his information and I'll I'll include it in some way. Um, what about you know ways for us to motivate and our, our clients and even ourselves in this kind of crazy climate? Do you have something that you're doing for yourself? You know, I, I need so little motivation. <laughs> Mm. to travel um i mean i mean how do i stay busy um how do i stay motivated for my company that's you know that's a matter of survival right now right now we're battling to to keep everything afloat and to prepare everything for you know a a very slim period in the next few months Mm -hmm. uh so and i think most travel professionals are in that um it hasn't affected in the least my desire to travel. Okay. Uh, or, you know, my, um, 
my my uh, intent to travel. But the motivation at this juncture is all economic. Okay. Right now, more than ever, I'm simply looking at you know making sure the books all balance. Mm-hmm. So, any predictions on comeback of travel when cruising will start? Anything you want to throw out there? No. <laughs> cruising, cruising is is months away yet. Mm-hmm. Um, airline travel has already begun. Uh, road trips are being taken every day now. Uh, that's definitely opening back up. When I was in Savannah, the the stores were were filled. The restaurants were packed. Uh, the streets were filled with tourists. Mm. Uh, so that's that's already happening. The um, I wrote an article the other day about all the countries that are now accepting U.S. visitors, and it's a long list. It's much longer than anyone sort of thinks about, but it's it's extensive. The moment Europe opens back up, uh, I think is when things will really break loose, and I think that'll happen before cruising begins. Oh, that's interesting. Now, the problem is, the problem is we are spiking not only here in the U.S., but in Europe, too. I know. Oxford's about uh, to get locked down again. Mm. Yep. Or yep. so we're is the going, rumor. about to go through another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... A vaccine would sure be a nice thing, but I think that may be a little bit of wishful thinking too. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there. One thing that's happened is that even though the spike is happening, there is far less uh, of a mortality rate that is dropping mm-hmm. considerably, and it looks as though between. Uh, some degree of um, I don't want to say I definitely don't want to say uh, herd immunity because I think that's a flawed concept <laughs> but what what did happen was during the first wave a lot of very vulnerable people were the ones who died hmm. Um over half of the people who died in the New York region were in nursing homes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that a lot of people don't understand or don't know. Um, You know, here locally, uh, my wife's facility, which is a, um, which is a long-term care facility for adults, autistic adults. um, They had a high incidence of, uh, mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between the fact that we have gotten better at treatments and caring for people in the hospital, we've learned more about this. The fact that we are getting better, not by any means perfect, about uh, social distancing and wearing masks when appropriate, uh, that's helping. Mm. In fact, I think that has reached the point that that's why I say we can travel safely. I, I, I'm, I feel perfectly comfortable going to the grocery store here, going to the pharmacy. Uh, we went out to eat the other night uh, for my son's birthday. Uh, I'm perfectly comfortable doing that here, so why wouldn't I be perfectly comfortable doing that in Savannah or Seattle mm. uh, or 
Oxford. That's interesting. So, so I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. Um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, a little less comfortable about uh, the airport and the airplane, but mostly because of the miscreants who decide that they're going to argue about what they agreed to do, which is act like decent human beings uh, on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the you know, the concept of of travel is going to be so dependent on our ability to treat each other well, uh, to socially distance for a while longer, and to um, you know to make the, convince the rest of the world that we know how to act. Yeah, we look really bad. We look really bad to a lot of the world. Yeah, um, we do. But we look really bad to ourselves. So, um, yeah, I, I think we we owe it to ourselves to behave and to um, uh, treat each other with a lot more respect than we have been. Yeah, I mean, we are an opinionated people. That is for sure. Um, and I think it's so easy now in a time of. Uh, political term oil, if you will, to be sensitive about things that are just silly. Like, I feel in this time, wearing a mask is not trying to infringe on anyone's right. It's like an act of charity to another person that I don't want harm to come to you, and I don't want to be the person to do it. And I would hope that, that is the attitude rather than it's, you know, something to do with your rights. I, I want it to be like an act of kindness. And that I think that it's an inconvenience, but that if we could all just do it a little bit longer, we could get through this and get back to something that resembles, you know, a normalcy. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, there's been this unfortunate politicization of, of all of the etiquette mm-hmm. of, of social distancing. And it's not political. Uh, again, I said the other day in an article, I don't care about people's politics. I really don't. I don't care about politics. Mm-hmm. I do care about this industry. Mm-hmm. And I want this industry to advance and move forward and pull out of the mud. And it can do that if everyone doesn't get uh, either in front of it and pull or behind it and push. Mm-hmm. And if if we are in a situation where... Uh, instead, we're arguing about whether or not it makes sense to um, push or pull. Mm. Then we're going to delay progress. Yep, 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 yep. So in this kind of like random conversation that I've called and sprung on you and recorded and might put on the Internet for people to hear, are there any <laughs> closing thoughts that you might have or want to say as you know, someone who's really involved deeply in the travel industry. Um, we didn't introduce you properly. Um, you're the, well, do you want to introduce yourself in all of your roles? <laughs> sure. Well, okay. I'm, I'm Richard Earls. I'm the publisher of Travel Research Online um, and various other entities in the, um, in the travel space. Um, and host of? <laughs> and host of. Uh, TRO signal. So, uh, thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, you know, 
it's funny. I, my son and I have started a software company, mm-hmm. and to hedge our bets, uh, we are developing software that can be used both inside the travel industry and outside the travel industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my every waking moment is thinking about the travel industry, mm. and that that I cannot. He's doing a good job of of of. Um, pulling in the the outside the travel industry aspect of our project, but my mind is solidly focused on how can we use this within the travel industry. So that's that's where I'm I'm sixty three years old now. It's a little hard for me to decide I'm going to change careers. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know, the, the, this I'm gonna make this work. And that's the attitude I think every travel professional has to have. Uh, we're going to get through this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to make it work. All right. Well, if anyone has any feedback or wants to give us ways on how they're making it work, love to hear about it. Well, Richard, thanks for this impromptu conversation and for being willing to experiment in thoughts Absolutely. with me. I appreciate that. You're going that. to have to edit it heavily. I No, I won't, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Richard, thanks for taking a moment to talk. I appreciate your uh, thought cycles with me. All right, talk to you later. Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to a Trav Market Media podcast. Questions, comments, collaboration ideas? Contact us at podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcasts with an S at travmarketmedia.com.